The following podcast is scheduled for one fall. One fall! It's almost time for a new chapter of Geek Catch-Up to start. But before it does, Chris and I wanted to take a moment to send our love and appreciation out to all of you for choosing to hang out with us. If you enjoy Geek Catch-Up, then make sure to slam that subscribe button and help us level up the show by leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find us on social media to get updates on all things GK, interact directly with us, and content from the world of geekery. Geek Catch-Up Podcast on Facebook and YouTube, at Geek Catch-Up Pod on Instagram and Twitter, links to all of which can be found in the show notes below and on our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. If you'd like to support the shoe, there's even links to our Square Shop where you can find official GK merchandise like shirts and stickers. And Patreon if extra content is your thing. Above all, though, the absolute best thing you can do is spread the love for the world of geekery by sharing the Geek Catch-Up podcast with your friends and family. Now get ready to enjoy today's show, and as always, remember to to stay stay saucy. saucy. If it's nerdy, we're into it. Gaming, movies, television, wrestling, comics, whatever. We are Kyle Eckert and Chris Hack, two lifelong friends with a passion for the world of geekery. And this is the Geek Catch-Up Podcast. What's good, Geek Catch-Up family? We are back with our Season 3 premiere. I'm Chris Heck. And I'm Kyle Eckerd. And this is the 40th chapter of Geek Catch-Up. The 40th opportunity we've had to connect with you, the community, and the 40th time we've all come together to spread love for the world of geekery. Today, Kyle and I have a packed chapter coming at you where we are going to first spend some time giving you a peek into all the exciting new content we are planning to roll out during the course of Season 3. And then from there, we are jumping into a more laid-back discussion on all the nerdy things that we've been doing during our hot geek summer break. So Kyle, I know you're vaxxed and waxed and have been hanging out on the beach over the last few weeks, but it hasn't kept you from working on the next steps for GK, so why don't we jump right in, have you share some thoughts of what the listeners can look forward to as we move through the rest of 2021. Indeed, I think we ended season two by talking about all of the content that we were prepping and we were going to work on. I made the joke that the break between seasons one and two wasn't really a break because we revamped so many things. Never is. Uh, Seasons two to three was kind of the same where we took a break from recording, but that didn't stop the train from moving as we produced a bunch of video stuff. Uh, And then most notably, we launched our store, our Square store, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that was absolutely the biggest thing we've done so far was launching the Square store. We put it out on the social media. Many of you probably saw the graphics, the notes about it. Um, We've obviously got that first month promotion going on where you can get 15% off your order with the code NERDY, N-E-R-D-Y. Super pumped. It was a long time in the making. Uh, Really happy that we got that off the ground. Yeah, it was really exciting. I did a little photo shoot in downtown Frederick with with Taylor. Just walked around on a nice sunny day. I think it was a first Saturday in July and just took a bunch of pictures all over the city, which is pretty cool because Frederick has a few murals. Like they've had a couple over the years, but especially I'd say in the past five, they've really been expanding. So took those shots for some promo pics. And as strange as it is to see myself modeling, like 
yeah. Well, I don't even know if that's going to get no more. I'm not <laughs> totally sure, like, if I'll ever get comfortable with with seeing that. I'm going to say, I took those pictures, and it felt weird, and I put the promos together. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. And then the day we posted, I'm like, I still feel really awkward looking at myself. <laughs> it's always odd, but, I mean, you didn't have that as a goal when we set out on this podcast, you know, apparel model? No. High I, fashion? I, yeah, I absolutely did not high fashion quite a stretch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I can't say that I did, but, you know, I ended up working out. Like, it was, it's kind of one of those things where it was a little awkward as you walk around town and you kind of look like an, an IG model just posing along the brick walls and yeah. trying to look cool. And, you know, everyone's out on their normal Saturday afternoon strolls with their kids or eating lunch, things like that. <laughs> But in the end, living the influencer life. Yeah, living the influencer life. It was super awkward. Um, but no, we got <laughs> we got it up there. It was ended up looking good, all in the name of the shop. Which love to see it it going. You know, it's been up for about a week now, but we've already had a few orders, which is very exciting. Yeah. So hopefully, the, the like I said, the train just keeps on rolling, and we get to help spread the love of geekery via t shirts, stickers, and. A lot of new content coming soon. I, I know we've talked about hats uh, once upon a time where you and I have yeah. our own personal hats, but it would be super cool to get those out there or our tumblers, all sorts of stuff. So the ceiling is limitless. Right. Yeah, we will definitely be expanding the store over time, but wanted to start with what pretty much everybody's favorite thing is. You know, we all got to wear them every day, which is that that nice quality graphic t-shirt and just kind of a funny story there was i was actually grocery shopping yesterday and and was wearing one of the geek ketchup pod shirts with the logo on the front and the cashier she was a little bit of an older lady she kind of gives me like you know pulls the glasses down she's like squinting at me and i'm like trying to figure out what's going on and she goes i i just don't get your shirt what geek ketchup podcast where's the ketchup like literally, this is how this whole thing goes. She's like concerned about where the ketchup is on my shirt because it said ketchup in huge words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, maybe we really need those alternate universe nerd mustard. Yeah, yeah, we'll mix it up. <laughs> mix it up. That's pretty funny though. That has happened with me because we did get masks made. Yep. Like that's when it happens with the mask. People kind of like looking at your mask real funny. Uh, I can't say that it's happened with the t-shirt just yet, though. No, that was the first time, and it was cracking me up. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, they're comic book characters. We talk about all things nerdy, you know, but, like, I have a food background, so it's a play on... I was, like, trying to explain to this lady what a play on words is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but she was super nice about it, you know. She ultimately complimented me on it. And that's the point of this shirt, right, is to is to let people know get those interactions and and really just continue to spread that love of geekery so i I just thought it was funny and timely yeah since we had just recently launched them absolutely absolutely yeah and they it's a catchy oh shout out to alex santalosi it's a catchy logo you know everyone knows the x-men through and through so putting little caricatures of of those x-men out there it's going to catch people's eye and that was the point from the start, and that's the point with the t-shirt, so exactly. hopefully it catches on. All about the fun. So yeah, so if you're interested, you can go out to geekcatchapodcast.com. You can click Merch right at the top of the website. It'll pop you over to our Square store where you can 
You can place those orders once again, code nerdy, N-E-R-D-Y, until 831 will get you 15% off. So a little bit of a grand opening promotion there. And um, the only last thing I'd say is that you can also hit it up if you want to go directly to it in Square. You can probably search for us or geek-ketchup.square.site. So just to, to give everybody that info if they are interested in checking things out. For sure, for sure. And don't sleep on the pins. Yeah. We'll say that too. Those pins are sweet. I got one on my backpack right now. Full die cast, magnetized so they can work as a refrigerator magnet, hat pin, backpack, anything. As we shamelessly self-promote our site. <laughs> First time in three years. I don't know. For, you know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> let's say let's let's move on to more shameless promotion as we have a ton of new things coming in season three. Like we said, we were building stuff out, planning things. How can we expand the show and interact with our listeners, you know, at a deeper level? And that we hope to include here soon is more Patreon content and Twitch streaming, which is both new avenues for us and hopefully could be a lot of fun. Yeah, so we've had a Patreon out there for a while. If anybody wanted to support our show, you know, you would get some merchandise through that, depending on which tier you chose or, you know, show shout outs and things like that. But yeah, for the next step, the next evolution, we're going to take that idea that we grabbed from the end of season two with the retro, you know, wrestling rewatches and or watch alongs, however you want to look at it. And we're going to do things like that. So we're going to go find great wrestling matches, obscure wrestling matches, maybe do full pay-per-views, and then do watch-alongs and put out that audio for you if you want to go back through, you know, the WWE Network or Peacock or YouTube, wherever you can find some of those old matches and shows and watch with us, get our thoughts. So hopefully that'll be a lot of fun. I know you've been working on video for um, some of our top five segments and things like that that maybe we can put out as Patreon exclusive content. So definitely just really trying to bring more uh, from the world of geekery and the things that we love to those that are interested in, you know, hanging out with us a little bit more. For sure. And also extended chapter content, thinking of our question roulettes and other things where we can give you bonus. You know, when we do our question roulettes, we typically don't hit all of the questions in the 60 to 90 minutes that we record. So we want to go ahead and put the extra questions that we do answer out there as Patreon content. A few other things, when we talk comic books, we very rarely get to cover all of the comics in a given series. You know, sometimes we do overviews. So more in-depth conversation all out there on Patreon. Yeah, for sure. So definitely keep an eye out for that. We will be announcing it, promoting it more as it starts to roll out on social um, hopefully here over the next couple of months. And then another thing that we're looking to do on maybe more of a monthly basis um, that will not be behind the paywall is our Twitch streaming. Yeah, that could be fun. I know we're still looking to find the right game that we're going to be streaming. So in the, the beginning stages, it might be a variety of games or even long term, it might be a variety of games because Chris and I both play a lot of different games. So Excited to get into that realm because that's something I think we've had up and running. We've done a few Twitch streams, but never with the live camera back on us. Just always the built-in PS5 from my end. You just you know push to Twitch and let it stream and people watch your game. But I think it's very exciting that we're going to have another opportunity to interact with the listener base. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping that we'll be able to to have those conversations with folks in the chat 
And then maybe even at some point, you know, to your point, if we find the right games, then we could even have sessions where we're in the same lobbies as folks from the community and we could be streaming and be playing with those of you that are out there. So we'll have to look at exactly how all that works. We're still figuring out the logistics on the streaming side, but that is definitely something that's coming. And most likely, um, I think we're going to start that with probably like a monthly stream. Yeah, something. we're going to start small and then grow from there. It could be fun. Yeah. I, I think it could be cool. We've got our emulators. There's a lot of things that are wide open to us about what we could be streaming and could be showing off. I think in particular with the emulators, we've talked about them in the past. We have a catalog of 10,000 plus games ranging from arcade and NES era all the way up through PlayStation. So if you think of any game that's come out during that era, we could potentially play it, stream it, talk about it. could be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of games, I think kind of the other side that, or the other thing I should say that fits in with the Twitch streaming is what we're going to do with our new retro sports league challenge for season three. Um, it might not be so retro this time around, but we were talking about going with a online league in FIFA 22. And I think that'll give us some perfect opportunities to go beyond just the YouTube videos that we've created for our retro sports league challenges and actually allow people to watch us live. You know, if, if you're in my team, come up with a head-to-head regular season battle or something you know that would be the perfect moment for that live stream put it all on the line see who is better and uh also bring kind of more live updates on what's going on in the sports league challenge as we move through it we've been talking about doing a modern game for a while now it it is the retro sports league challenge but There's only so many games in the retro sports catalog that allow you to do seasons and it works out on a on a time basis like that. So maybe moving it to the modern era still being a sports league challenge uh, could be a lot of fun. I'm a little nervous to get back into the FIFA realm, though, because at once upon a time I was really good at FIFA. Oh, yeah. The best in the group. But I haven't played in a really long time. I took a break like FIFA just kind of. It was something that I played a ton of in high school and college and then shortly after college. But then I just moved on. I, I couldn't explain why, but I stopped playing FIFA. So it's been a really long time since I did a career legitimate like team career in FIFA. So hopefully I get all those skills back and can defend the crown. Yeah, I think it'll be a great test of where we both are, because I know when we were growing up, you were always more into soccer We did not play a whole lot of soccer video games. I mean, here and there we would, but you were far and away better than everybody. Kind of like fighting games. There's a very parallel story here, you know, (laughs) as far as your skill set in FIFA and fighting games. And then after I went to college, because like once I got dorm rooms and some roommates and we had FIFA and they were really into it, like started playing it more. I remember those those post years you and I would either play when I was up in Maryland or we'd get on the PS network and play some games and we would go back and forth a little bit. I don't, I don't know if you were taking it easy on me or if just, you know, I was playing more at that point than you were, but it got a little bit more competitive, but we haven't done a whole lot of that with FIFA in at least probably five years. Five years. I I actually think that was FIFA 13 or 14. It was, it was PS3 for sure. It was PS3. Yeah. It was a while ago. So, Yeah, much longer than five years. 
I might need to get back on FIFA 21 <laughs> before 22 comes out just to kind of shake off the rust and keep playing them, figure out what we're going to do. But the, the door is wide open as far as what that could bring because the online seasons are a fun twist. Right. You could definitely bring in some listener base or some, you know, a small friend group to participate in those online leagues. And there's a lot up in the air about which league as far as in FIFA we're going to choose because naturally you'd think we're going to go MLS because we are based in the United States, but that's not stopping. MLS isn't exactly the most popular league even in the United States. I'd say at this point the EPL is more popular than even Major League Soccer. So we might go across the pond and pick our teams from over there or we might keep it home and Go with DC United and maybe Charlotte if they end up in the new FIFA. I don't think they're going to. Yeah. Well, you know, if James out there from this week in Metropolis is listening across the pond, then maybe uh, maybe we should see if he is interested in joining us on this adventure. But I, I think it'll be really cool. I mean, the, the upside to moving to the current gen for this one for this season you know, besides just mixing it up is the fact that we are coming off of, you know, a a brand new console generation launch. The EA teams for Madden and FIFA have, you know, rolled out their new engines. And so there's supposed to be some pretty good changes as far as how they captured the gameplay in FIFA 22. So I think, you know, it'll be fun to do the competition and, and the things that we do on that side with the stats and who wins and all of that. But it's really going to get us a first taste at like, okay, here is the biggest sports game in the world on the new flagship consoles. You know, we're going to play it on the PS5 and we can really see kind of what this next generation is about for sports games. Because last year, you know, Madden, FIFA and stuff, they came out right before the launch. So they were still technically last gen and then they got some ports. So this will be the first true right next gen FIFA. Very exciting, very exciting. And speaking of this week in Metropolis, moving on with what's to come in Season 3, we do hope to have more guests. Uh, We did a guest spot on this week in Metropolis, but we hope to have more people on our show across from the world of geekery, whether that's local comic book owners or artists. We've got a few friends out there that you know we want to make connections and get them on the show. Yeah, I'm super pumped about that. Guests are always fun. Plus, it takes the pressure off us a little bit, right? You know, uh, lets everybody hear some other perspectives and some other voices. But um, we've still got a lot of planning to do in that regard. But we do 100% plan to reach out to a number of folks and see who we can get on. Not just here at the beginning, or I should say the end of 2021, you know, the beginning of season three, but really throughout the entire season, carrying all the way up into next year like we typically do. Yeah, 100%, 100%. We love having you guys on, chatting about Geekery. It Honestly, Chris said it low maintenance sometimes for us but it also is more fun conversation wise absolutely yeah so that is obviously a ton on top of that you know we're going to be looking at maybe using facebook live a little bit more so we can connect with you all as our day-to-day lives go by and we're you know checking out the things that we get into um, on a regular basis and then we would be remiss, you know, if we didn't at least call out that there is a lot going on in the world of the X-Men. Oh, yeah. And while we are not going to get into all of it here today by any means, you know, if you've been listening to us since day one, that we are, you know, following along with the Dawn of X era, the Jonathan Hickman era of X-Men. 
and we will definitely be circling back to dive back into everything that is going on, you know, in the land of Krakoa and beyond. Absolutely. Beyond is the key word there, because I think when we left off, it was right at the tail end of X of Swords. So we didn't get a chance to break down the Hellfire Gala that happened over the summer, but we will certainly be chronicling the events spawning out of the Hellfire Gala because X-Men has just gone on a whole new level. And it's just universe impacting type stuff, things that you can no longer ignore if you're reading Marvel comics. Right, exactly. There's going to be some ripple effects, I feel, going out into the entire world of of the Marvel comic universe. X-Men and mutants alike, you know, they have been taking their place. It's what they've been saying all along. They're no longer participating in this human world. They're just going to take what is theirs, stop being side characters, and just move forward with their own, you know, culture and things like that. And boy, did they go hard. So I'm sure we'll jump into it here a little bit later when we uh, talk a little bit about some of the comics we've been reading. But I think that's a good time to segue over, you know, enough of the work talk. Definitely keep an eye on our social media for more announcements as we move through and we start to launch some of the things we were just mentioning. But, you know, the last month, Hot Geek Summer was about us taking a break in between the seasons. And, um, you know, you've been traveling. I've been getting into a bunch of different stuff here around the house. So it has been a pretty packed month between the two and looking back on, um, the entire, you know, four weeks as I was getting ready for this chapter, it really dawned on me how many different IPs and mediums and things that I have touched in four weeks. While at the same time, I was kind of thinking like it had been a little bit slow so it was very, very interesting to kind of reflect back on on all that's been going on. But let's jump over to you. So I, I know I mentioned at the beginning you've been hanging out at the beach some. Yeah. But what else have you had going on here while we were on break? We're certainly taking that time off, headed to the beach. I think if you've been following the Instagram stories, you know that been at the beach doing a lot of comic reading. And that is typically what I do when I go down to the island house, like just kick back, read some comics things like that. So primarily, my July has been all comic books, Ratchet and Clank, and a couple other small video games. Not too much else going on. I had a massive stack of comics to catch up on and a ton of new stuff coming out because it's a bit of a rotational period for me as far as my comics go where I've got a few series ending and I'm trying to find new things to get into that I can start reading going forward. So if we want to dive into comics or video games, I will leave that up to you because I know you also played a ton of video games, including Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, I couldn't. That was really the thing I think that caught me the most off guard because when we first took the break, I had the same thing, right? You shipped me a recent stack of my comics and not only was it fairly, fairly tall, it hit, you know, a wide variety of titles. It was like, I think almost every one of my titles had something in this stack. So um, but yeah, the games have also kind of just been trickling in, I would say more so than anything. There was one or two I was looking forward at the end of June, but everything that's actually caught my attention most has been more surprising. They were more late game finds. So let's, let's jump into the games first and maybe we'll circle back on comics if that's all right with you. Yeah. Yeah. That works for me. That works for me. So my big one was Ratchet and Clank. I think it's it most everybody's big one because it's been one of the few PS5 releases 
like true next gen releases like we talked about with FIFA. And I actually, when I went to write down things about it, I was like, is this the best PS5 release yet? Is this the only PS5 release yet? <laughs> and unfortunately, I said no to both because I do think I liked Miles Morales a little bit more. Okay, okay. But I, uh, Ratchet and Clank was a ton of fun. It was just arcadey fun. It was very straightforward. I think the, a few complaints is just it wasn't long enough. Right. You know, but as far as graphically, gameplay, mechanics, the dual sense continues to impress with the yes. PS5. Yes. Ratchet and Clank hit all of those marks for me. I couldn't agree more. It looked so gorgeous. Yeah. On the 4K with the new hardware and everything just humming. I was really impressed. And it didn't matter if you were in, you know, like full color base default game mode or if you grabbed one of the golden screws and changed it over to black and white or sepia or newspaper actually i think is the one i might have played in the most because it was like retro but not and i mean everything they did there was fantastic um it was good combat it was good fun you know i think i hundred percented it in three days wow so you know it on the short side you know that was definitely kind of a complaint of mine but not because it didn't work or it felt like it was missing something, but just because I wanted more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say you 100%ed it in three days because I'm pretty confident every single account that we follow had somebody post, oh, I 100%ed Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. To this point where now that I, <laughs> I have not 100%ed Ratchet and Clank, I've beaten it and all that good stuff, but I, ne- I never went back and collected all of the golden screws or finished all of the little uh, when you go into the one planet and they've basically just got the fighting arena. Yeah. I didn't finish all of those. Oh, but I did, you know, as much as I could throughout the natural gameplay of it all and leveling up. I got all the weapons and things like that, of course. Right. But everybody was posting. They hundred percent it. So I'm like, man, I feel like it's this feather in my cap that I need (laughs) because it's, everybody's doing it everybody 100 percents this game because it's so easy to 100 percent. but yeah i mean i think the main like the first run through was just under 30 hours if i had to guess it was somewhere right in there so it wasn't too hard but then you did have to go and do a new game plus in order to get all of the achievements because there was a few things that you didn't even unlock until you hit that new game plus I'm trying to think if I actually went all the way back through it the second time. I know that you had to go fairly far to get everything, or maybe I had missed one or two things that I had to make it all the way through in order to get, you know, as far as maybe a golden bolt or one of the side quests or something like that. But, but I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, it was a great way for them to bring that franchise back. And I think that, you know, if if they want to make another one in two years or whatever, like they've got me pulled back in enough after having pretty much forgotten about the franchise up until the remaster was free. Yeah. I mean, now they've got my attention. I would I would play another one. Yeah, I think they they struck that balance because I was the same as you where I had only ever played the remaster of the PS3 version, which or PS4 version. And when they released it for free. So I didn't have this massive history with the franchise, but I felt like the game and the story that it told you was enough to hook you 
for future playthroughs or future installments. Yeah. But also, there I imagine there were little like nooks and crannies and Easter eggs that tip their cap to those long-term players. Probably, Ex- yeah. Especially when they brought in the the alternate versions of the established characters. Like, they had to have done really cool things. I'm thinking of, like, Captain Cork being a pirate and things like that. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping that there was an extra reference that I... It was cool, but I didn't get the reference because I'm not, like, this long-term player of this franchise. Yeah, well, and then, of course, they had that gun, you know, the portal gun that would bring in stuff from other yeah. PlayStation games. So they definitely took some liberties and, and had a blast with that game, I thought. So, you know, it, it was good to see a truly next-gen game, too. I mean, that's the other thing, is we've had so few truly next-gen games that are actually utilizing the new hardware and capabilities that, I mean, you almost couldn't avoid Ratchet and Clank just simply from that standpoint. Like, I need, I've got this PlayStation 5, I need to use it, (laughs) (laughs) and here's an opportunity to actually not only use it, but get to really see what it can do. Yeah, totally, totally. The other big game for me this summer was Mario Golf. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm going to shift it over and talk about the other big game I played, which was Mario Golf Super Rush. And I should, I think we noted it when we were talking about FIFA. I really love sports games and I really dig arcade sports games. Absolutely. So to the point where I actually think that arcade sports games might be like a top three genre for me. I can see Especially that. Especially when I yeah. I look back over the history of my gaming with the NBA jams and the slugfests and blitz and things like that. Like arcade sports games really are high up on the list. Griffey is technically an arcade style sports game. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they were way more arcade style sports games when we were growing up and, you know, really up until more of the modern consoles than there were anything else. Yeah. But even like the quote unquote simulation style sports games, you know, on Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis and some of those consoles in the 90s, like even like a Madden or All Star Baseball or whatever, I mean, they were still fairly arcadey. Yeah, 100%. But I'm really thinking of the NFL Street, the SSX Trickies. Oh, I'm with you there. Those games, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, for us, I I, I fully agree is what I'm saying. And I'm validating because for us, like, the first 20 years of our gaming, most of what we played in sports games leaned more towards the arcade side of things than what we get now, which is like really pushing for simulation. Right. Yeah. EA big, I miss you. That's, (laughs) that's really what I'm saying here, but I played Mario golf and I should say it is exactly what all the reviewers said. Mm. All the review websites that said, you know, this is the glaring problem with this game. Yep. It is. There's limited number of courses. There's a low number of characters. There's a, only like three modes. Yep, that's all there. But you know what? Didn't bother me at all. It was a silly game with no stress. And honestly, Nintendo has come out and said that they're going to continue to support it to the point where I think a new course and character actually just dropped on August 5th. Oh, wow. That's so pretty put, sweet. They pushed out a 17th character in Toadette. And now have a total of seven courses with New Donk City course. But I, I think it's a ton of fun. And like I said, I, I'm biased because I do love the arcade sports game. But I would highly recommend this. If it ever went on sale, I'd like, yeah, pick it up because the story adventure is fun. 
The speed golf is a ton of fun. The battle is an interesting twist because it gives you those options where it's not just a straightforward golf game. Like you hit your tee shot and then you have to run over the course and you can throw things at people. You can jump on people. (laughs) You can slow them down. In some cases, there's like a timer running and you have to get to your ball before the timer runs out. But there's things that can slow you down. Uh, And then each shot costs like 30 seconds. So there's a lot of little things thrown into your typical golf game that make it a ton of fun. So I would absolutely recommend it to anybody that enjoys a golf game, enjoys an arcade sports game, or just wants an expansion to their Mario collection. It sounds to me maybe like it's a good party game. Oh, absolutely. As all Mario games are good party games. I, true, I think Nintendo, true, fair. <laughs> Nintendo is without a doubt the the king of the party game because even when they don't set out to make a party game, they're usually fun in party environments. <laughs> like, it's even true. down to passing a controller on Super Mario Brothers 3 is still enjoyable. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought it up because I know we were talking about Mario Golf a little bit. And I, for a minute there in June, I was like, ah, oh, you know, there's not much else coming out. Like, I'm going to probably going to get it. You know, we were talking about maybe there being some online multiplayer or something like that. But what really kind of swung things for me was um, another game that we had been talking about in the group, especially with all our D&D focus lately. But, you know, Dark Alliance was on the horizon for late June. And, you know, ultimately it got put on Game Pass. It was a late, yeah. you know, announcement, I think sometime maybe in May or something like that. But Microsoft was like, hey, you know, day one, Dark Alliance is going to go on to Game Pass. And so I ended up scooping it from that side. And, you know, just to kind of throw it out there, if you haven't played it, the reviews were a little mediocre, you know, kind of in that six to seven range. I think seven was the highest I saw. I actually liked it more than from the stuff I had read about it beforehand. You know, I thought that they made some valid arguments, but for me, I actually enjoyed it. Maybe it's just because I'm so high on the D&D train right now, you know, that anything that scratches that itch is kind of doing it for me at the moment. But yeah, had really solid, more kind of arcade style melee combat, lots of different enemy types, really big levels to go through and search for chests and materials and things like that. A lot of the RPG elements that you like with the loot system and crafting and, you know, or upgrading, I should say, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so I played that for a while and was really enjoying it, but it got a little tough, uh, in solo mode. You know, it definitely felt like it was built a little bit better for co-op uh, Okay. and especially when you get on the higher difficulties, you know, cause even when I was getting geared up, you know, if I go into some of the levels on the higher difficulties, there'd be too many enemies, you know, you kind of get swarmed and like was really having trouble getting through them. Um, and so I kind of backed off a little bit. There's matchmaking, of course, but that is hit or miss when you don't have dedicated people that you know. And so a lot of times when I was going into matches, it was with people playing earlier levels or lower level stuff, you know, so I'd hang around for a little bit, help them out, and then I would move on. So I I need to go finish the game simply because I need that group of people, you know, two or three folks that we could party up with and really hit it and be on the same level together. But it really cool game, you know, and I think it was like 40 bucks yeah. regular if you did have to pay for it. So it was probably appropriately priced. But, you know, if you're just looking for something to kind of scratch that itch of either D&D, get to play as Drizzt 
and some of the other characters from the Drizzt novels or, you know, famed D&D characters. I think it's still worth it. Game Pass. That that's kind of the big point. I, I every time you talk about Game Pass, I'm like, oh, I wish I had Game Pass. <laughs> but I, yeah, how can you beat you know a, a day one launch and you're getting it par- as part of a package that you pay for? It, right. There's no excuse not to play it. But that's exciting that you know I knew it caught some slack, hard slack when it first came out. Like it just wasn't good. It kind of seemed like everywhere I was turning, everyone's like, yeah, high hopes. Yeah. But ended up not working out. And I kept thinking in your case, I'm like, hey, it's a Game Pass game. Like, if I'm going to play it on Game Pass and not shell out an extra $40 for it, what do I care if it's not perfect? Yeah, that definitely helps a lot, you know, makes it easier to swallow. But still, I mean, I, I can be tough on games at times. You know, we have those different discussions. But this one, for whatever reason, I really... You know, it's not going to be the greatest game of all time. You know, nobody's going to register like that. But I think for what they were going for and, you know, the combat, the fact that there's only so many D&D games out there, you know, I thought it was it was pretty decent. And hopefully they'll continue to give it some support, maybe some expansions or some quality of life improvements that could kind of take it up a notch or two, you know, over time. That's what I'm hoping for so I can circle back on it maybe and finish it up at at some point yeah nice and then in there you know just since we're on game pass i will have to say because this was kind of funny but they dropped the flight simulator the new microsoft flight simulator yeah on to game pass and that is something i probably haven't even looked at since the 90s you know windows 98 or <laughs> xp or vista i don't even know anymore which windows it was at the time 95 right. <laughs> yeah but that has been pretty boring i could still flight simulator let's be honest yeah. but but you know the fact that it's in like full 4k with live weather and you know it pretty much photorealism you know to an extent you're like flying through google earth like yeah it, it, it was still worth you know the hour or two that i sat down just kind of messing around with it why not yeah well one game pass and i i love just because in the name itself you kind of know what you're getting yeah, you know, yeah. microsoft flight simulator <laughs> there's no doubt what that game is going to be it's not going to be ace combat it's not going to be squadrons it's not going to be Star Fox. it's not going to be insane it's going to be you and a biplane yeah uh, a little cessna cr- crop dusting in urbana or something you know what i mean like it, that's exactly what it's going to be so it's exciting to hear that it was cool like definitely worth installing for a moment and just goofing around because sometimes that's exactly what you want out of gaming you don't you know you're waiting for dinner you know you're about to leave for dinner and you're waiting to leave the house you don't have time to go do a long session or play a full course in mario golf to tie back into that like (laughs) so why not pop it in fly around for a little bit see some cool stuff and really push that next gen engine why not yeah, I mean, really, that's the biggest takeaway. It's just the visuals look amazing in full 4K. Um, I'm sure there's somebody out there that would just ream me up and down for saying it's boring. But, you know, when you're just, like, scheduling flights out of Frederick Regional into <laughs> Hagerstown, <laughs> so that we, you know, there's only so much you can do. I, I did go looking through the DLC because in the list of planes they give you, you know, the fastest plane you get is like a Learjet or something. 
there's no fighter jets or, or anything like that. Like, the list of planes in the default game is pretty slim. Right. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if they have anything cool because I'm a big ace combat guy, you know? Like, <laughs> let me get that F-16 out here and fly around or whatever. And they did have a fighter jet that you could get. But man, the freaking DLC in this game is wildly expensive. Like, I want to know who is out here <laughs> buying any of this because I'm talking, it was like $20 and $30 for planes, bro. For, for like one, one plane. plane? Oh yeah, my dude. Gosh. Like, the fighter jet was like $19.99. And I was just like, Are, what? I could not believe it. <laughs> who is out here paying this? <laughs> The people that buy that are the same people that have built rigs in their basement. Maybe. And they have like a VR headset and are going all in. Because I got to admit, that would be really cool. Dude, full VR and everything? Sure. Okay, that'd be a little bit of a different experience, I think. But, you know, just sitting on my couch and all, like $20 for just one plane. Like a pack of planes? Okay. Yeah. You know? But, like, I feel like out of all the things coded... In Microsoft Flight Simulator, the planes are like the easiest part, you know? <laughs> Maybe. I don't it might not be. Maybe they all fly slightly different. And it's not if you're not a pilot, you don't feel it. I don't know. It could be. It could be. I don't know. But you know, for free, included in Game Pass, I couldn't resist, you know, from downloading it and at least, you know, flying through the world a little bit and just getting to check out what they were promoting pretty hard there. Crash it into your house just because. <laughs> hey, I can see my mom's house. Oh, no. <laughs> now it got dark. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Tell you, man, I just wanted to fly that fighter jet out of Frederick, <laughs> Frederick Regional Airport, man. <laughs> like, oh, there's the fairgrounds. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Yeah. I, it's so funny. Like, I think Charlotte would be way more interesting to look at from a plane than Frederick. But Oh, probably, you, do, you know. You do but, you, man. You do you. Well, you know, you got Like, what's the first thing you do on Google Earth? Hey, is my house on here? Like, that's all it was. was like, oh, you're like, I want to know how detailed the map was. Because, yeah, when you're in the city, it's like everything. When I flew over Charlotte, like, it looked pretty much about as much as I would expect. You know, Panther Stadium's there, Bank of America buildings, the whole nine yards. And when you get out into the country a little bit more, it it kind of cuts down on the details. Like, you still get the landmarks of, yeah. you know, this is this town and, you know, whatever that's around. But it, it definitely turned a little bit more into just, like, rolling hills, you know, like yeah. greenery. And the roads were there, like 70s there, 40s there. Yeah. Um, Frederick looked good, for example, being a smaller town than Charlotte or whatever. But out once you kind of got towards like Braddock Middle, you know those places, it was yeah, it was a little bit more basic. <laughs> That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, but it, it was just cool. Just kind of added in here it was like you know I went from not really having anything like truly expected to play to just kind of bouncing around. And another example of that was um, that I got in. You know, I don't do a lot of PC gaming, but got into uh, playing New World. Yeah. The beta by Amazon here on Steam. And that's just another one worth calling out that, you know, for a debut game, especially being an MMO in a beta, you know, it was definitely running pretty well. Had some hiccups and, and saw some things. But for me, on my $600 baby gaming Dell with mediocre at best, you know, gaming hardware. Yeah. Um, it still ran it, you know, on low settings and looked good. Looked at least as good as kind of last gen stuff, you know, PS4 era stuff. 
kind of enjoyed that, you know, really checked it out on a whim, mostly intrigued by the fact that it was an Amazon game yeah. than anything else. Um, and with the lack of really other major titles out there to keep my attention, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to go a little mouse and keyboard. Yeah, give it a try. Why not? It's been a long time since I played a mouse and keyboard game. But I mean, where we are with gaming right now with without like a true big time release that's drawing all your attention why not bop around and see what the next indie hit's gonna be right yeah and so we'll have to see how new world comes out down the line i don't want to go too much into it right now but it comes out in september there was a lot there to like and some to be desired you know i'll say combat was a little basic you know it was melee combat and some magic and and it was Fairly fun, but it was a little basic, you know, kind of like a, a light attack and a heavy attack. Yeah. And you didn't get spells. You had to get like a magic gauntlet. So like that was your weapon instead of a sword. Right. But it had huge map, lots of crafting, lots of quests, lots of looting. And then there's a whole thing where like the players turn into factions and, you know, align to different groups. And, you know, the PVP will actually adjust the map and... You can take over territories, and so I saw folks in the beta, you know, like, coordinating at different times, like, you know, to go and try and, I guess, take the territory back or whatever, because it would then turn into faction rewards. So, point of the story is it had some cool aspects to it there that could make it interesting, and it's got that little bit more, like, you know, early, you know, whatever, like, knights and feudal fantasy type yeah like a setting medieval type yeah medieval yeah. that's the word i was looking for yeah so definitely have to see what happens there yeah for a week or two to check it out you know amazon they seem like they were on the right track with it yeah first published from that their studios i think it's the first one at least uh, maybe on this scale okay i could be wrong about that I, I haven't given them enough attention other than you know you hear like oh, they're going to try and do this, or they've got this show coming out here, and then, like, half of them get canceled. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I think it might be, like, the first, like, real, legit, big-time game that they've put out so far. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, it definitely has been a lot of games throughout the summer kind of just bouncing around and playing a little bit here, playing a little bit there, like, trying to find, like I said, trying to find one that sticks and... I'll fully admit there's there's been a couple that I've picked back up, played for a bit, and then completed a quest and like, ah, I'm not I'm not feeling this right now. Just, yeah. Just not back into this one just yet. So like I said, the other half of my time has been spent reading and all the comics. Yeah, I think we should jump over to that. I guess the last last thing I would say is I'm just really ready for the back half of this year. Cause even though we've seen some of the bigger games, you know, get pushed into next year. Unfortunately, there are still a a number of them that are on the release list for, you know, September, October, that holiday season. So hopefully we'll finally kind of get back to the swing of good games regularly coming out. Right. Yeah. Or I'm just going to go play ghosts again. (laughs) So what about the comics? Yeah, as far as comics go, we we definitely touched on all the big events that are coming out of X-Men. I don't know if we want to do full spoilers on X-Men or not, or save that for our future chapter. But I've been definitely reading a variety of things, both from Independence, Marvel, and DC. The big one out of DC that I brought to the table is the Injustice comic. 
So Tom Taylor, back on the Injustice comic, it was originally released as an online exclusive, like digital only. And then he pushed for it to get made into a physical trade. And that is Injustice Year Zero came out as a trade. And I got to say, man, it totally caught me by surprise because the Injustice comics lately have kind of dipped. Okay, They came out real strong when they released the first Injustice game. Those sets of comics were just amazing. They did year one through five. They were primo. And then when Injustice 2 came out, they made a follow-up comic called Injustice 2. And it just didn't quite hit all the same spots. It it definitely just kind of missed the mark. Mm, But with Tom Taylor back on this Injustice trade, it was awesome. They, They connected the current existing uh, Injustice team to the Justice Society. Ah. So we really got to see a lot of the Justice Society folks that showed up in Injustice 2, like how they fit into the universe, like Dr. Fate okay. and things like that. Yeah, And it was, dude, it was awesome. It was really, really good. There are these sequences where it just blew your mind. And most notably is the Joker's still there and he kind of, kind of brief skip over some of the plot points here. He gets mind control over folks. Oh, wow. That's not good. And he (laughs) ends up attacking the Justice Society because that's how it all kicks off is like they're celebrating the Justice Society of America, like the original superheroes and how much Batman looks up to them. Okay. And Joker just hates it. It pisses him (laughs) off. So he, he gets mind control abilities and then starts to actually mind control certain members of the Justice Society, most notably the Flash, Jake Garrick. Oh. And so if you can imagine what a Joker-controlled Flash would be. Wow. It's exactly like the horrific murdering that you could think would take place took place. Where at one- Like reverse Flash, but like on steroids, you know, like turned up. Yeah, I'm talking like at one point, there's a specific panel in which he's got Jay Garrick and he takes butcher knives and just runs down the street. Oh, like full forth, just like public in the middle of a city, slicing anybody that's in his way, slicing people up. And it's like injustice has this tendency to be really graphic and over the top. And they they went right back to these these origins with that, where they're like, yep, we're going to take these characters that you know and love, and we're going to put them in absolutely insane situations and see what happens. And that's exactly what they did here. That's awesome. I mean, I remember when you first started following the Injustice comics, like you were raving about it. And I think we're even kind of surprised because like a lot of times when you see those you know, whether it's a comic to a movie or a game to a comic or whatever, you know what I mean? You get those crossovers across mediums and they don't quite live up to the quality of what the original was in this case, you know, the injustice, injustice video game that we all loved. Right. But, uh, glad to hear it's kind of circling back. Cause I know you've kind of, I haven't heard you talk about it as much over the last few years as it was when it first dropped. And it's because that whole Injustice 2 series really didn't match up to what the Injustice 1 series ended up doing. And I also think DC as a whole wanted to go back to the well because they've got that new movie coming out. They're making the Injustice animated movie. That's right. Yeah, the animated. Yeah. So I think that, you know, let's get the original writer and the original team because it's the original artist as well. 
in in Rogue Antonio, like put them back on it and get the nostalgia factor going and get the core story back so they can keep milking this franchise because everybody likes to see an evil Superman. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I think between Omni-Man and Invincible and you know, the boys kind of showing the areas of gray with superheroes, people are like, yeah, I'm ready for some evil Superman action. He's just so much more interesting. It's like Roman Reigns. He's way more interesting as a heel. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, true. It's true. When you've been that Boy Scout that long, you know, it, it's just, it's the better play. So I, I think it was, I mean, that's why I love the story from Injustice was because they went full tilt evil soups and you don't, you just don't get it very often. Yeah. Yeah. It's even when they did the Red Sun story arc, he wasn't quite as evil as you wanted him to be but yeah in the injustice story nope they full tilt let's take him to 11 make him evil and fry some people so uh, i was <laughs> i was really thrilled with that and i'm glad i ended up getting to read it because like i said dc originally had no intention of putting out print copies it was going to be a digital exclusive and tip my cap to tom taylor pushing to have that done you know that was a conversation i had with a guy at the comic book shop kind of giving me the heads up at, you know, this is something that he pushed for because he wanted to get it out there. So that's been really cool. The other stuff on my end comic wise has been Marvel. And this also leads into new things that are coming out. And you got to love how the comic book companies do this. And that's Moon Knight. The new Moon Knight series was a solid start all around with that number one. Yeah, I was really glad to hear that when, you know, a little bit of chatter in the group chats and stuff with, uh, I think it was Alex was reading it as well, or Matt, somebody else was reading it. And I know you were really looking forward to that being such a big Moon Knight guy. So I was happy for you on that front. Yeah, it fell into some of the classic, you know, number one tropes and that you, you just can't get away from because you have to establish that backstory. You have to give new readers a starting point to understand who they're reading but they introduced a ton of new concepts into Moon Knight, and I'm really hoping that it transitions to what they do in the show. Okay, like what? Because they, uh, what they really did is Moon Knight ha- now runs a church. <laughs> and But it's also like a church slash heroes for hire vibe. Oh, okay. And it, it makes sense, and he's also in therapy because he's got you know multiple personalities working there. So they, they really took all of these cool aspects of Moon Knight as far as being the avatar for Khonshu and having these followers and being vicious, also having these multiple personalities. He's got so much going on. He's got a backstory as a mercenary. It's hard to kind of pick which direction you're going to go with him. Yeah, I'm with you. And I was happy to see that they found this like blend where he's running this church and this heroes for hires type business to help people, travelers at night. But he's also acknowledging that he's got problems, so he's going to therapy during the day. Uh, and it's and I really think this could transition to on screen well because they could do flashbacks as a mercenary, but also progress the story forward. Well, in that aspect about like the multiple personalities and you know, therapy and the psychological aspects, you know, that's the kind of stuff I think that really helps some of those characters make it to big screen because it creates that drama and that human factor of it. Right. Yeah. Even if it is a little over the top, being that it's a, 
comic or superhero story. You know, I, I just think that that's where you can take these kinds of, you know, B-list or like lesser known characters is the best way to put it. Probably just lesser known characters and actually get the average fans like sucked into a to a dark, dramatic TV show. Oh, yeah. And it fits right into what the MCU has been doing as far as television wise. In the stories that they've created, because he is a New York-based superhero. So everything that they've done, if the Netflix kind of setup of of the New York that they've built there, he fits right into that. Well, maybe that'll help. uh, You know, there's been talks in the rumors, the expectations, like Daredevil and stuff coming back. Maybe, Maybe we'll find something there if he's based there in New York with Moon Knight. You know, maybe they'll use that as a tie-in since it seems like i mean we know moon knight the show is coming a lot more definitively than we do daredevil and stuff like that but you know maybe we'll see some sort of crossovers or anything like that there crossover yeah or any sort of reference because moon knight and daredevil have worked together and against each other in the past so it would be very easy to make that connection and kind of bring charlie cox's daredevil back into the fold which i'd be here for it every yeah like (laughs) Every Marvel fan out there wants that to happen. I, I don't, I legitimately have never met a person that's like, ah, you know, the Netflix Daredevil just wasn't for me. Yeah, that's true. It's like, true. <laughs> people have said that. I've heard people say that about the Defenders and Jessica Jones, Iron Fist and Luke Cage, all of the other Netflix Marvel shows, but everybody kind of universally loves the Netflix Daredevil show. Yeah, I mean, I even know a few folks that aren't big comic superhero film show people and they watched daredevil and were way into it you know just from the styling and the fight scenes and everything like that so yeah for sure, i think for it sure. really speaks a lot to it and as far as comics go anything that you know you really wanted to discuss that you got a chance to read you had that massive stack i know between flash and critical role and the star wars stuff yeah, it was hard to try and single anything out, so I don't know if I'm going to, but I just remember, you know, when I read through that stack, I was so impressed because, you know, out of like, I don't even know, 12, 15, 18 comics, whatever, sitting here in five, six, seven different stories or IPs, it, it was the first time in at least a long while that like every issue was awesome. You know, like every issue made me go, I just want 20 more issues of this story. And I could have just kept kept going down the line. So I had some of the recent bounty hunters in there, which, you know, have continued to move further and further up my list. Valance is, you know, currently been hunting Boba Fett. He's trying to save Han Solo before he gets turned over to the huts. So there's some interesting stuff going there, you know, not only to build to the War of the Bounty Hunters yeah. event that has been happening over the last, you know, few weeks, few months, but um, just as a Star Wars fan, right, it's kind of fit right in between uh, episode, was it five and six, I guess, you know, probably uh, Empire and Return. Yeah, yeah. Right in there. And so that's been, you know, pretty awesome to see, and it just keeps kind of escalating, getting a little bit more intense. The Flash, really, over the last couple of issues after coming out of the future state events, it kind of got back to what you would expect out of that. And they started a great storyline with Wally being sucked all over time by the Speed Force and like Barry and Green Arrow and Mr. Terrific all like really having to do what they can to save him. But it's made for a really cool story because as 
Wally is bouncing around time. He's actually taking over the bodies of different flashes from those times. Okay. Yeah, so we've seen him, you know, pretty much as Jay Garrick. We've seen him as Barry's son from the future. And we even saw him, you know, stuck pre-Flash time in, like, the Neanderthal days of, like, dinosaurs and everything. And so there was this wild, like, couple pages where he was getting chased by a velociraptor that had the speed force, (laughs) which might be the most terrifying thing of all time. (laughs) A velociraptor with speed force. Yeah. No, thank you. Well, you talk about the flash being controlled by the Joker and doing the knife thing. Like that's what a velociflash would do. (laughs) Like just like with those six inch claws hanging out the sides, you know, it would just be wild as I knock over my glass here. (laughs) <laughs> right but <laughs> but yeah so it was just a ton of fun really enjoyed that there but the one i think i would call out just more independent was berserker yeah you uh, know the keanu reeves book that's been coming out over the last few months because it it just continues to pick up and for me being like a history guy and the way they've built that story where his you know that character has been around for like thousands of years very wolverine like you know, I thought that it started to open up a little bit more as we learned more of that backstory and what's going on. And I mean, just the action and the gruesome nature of it's just top notch. I mean, oh, yeah, bloody, bloody, you know, suicide squad style action in this book every issue. So nice. Those have been were kind of the standouts, but I think I could probably go on about all three of them, you know, for an hour and a half here if we wanted to. <laughs> Well, Berserker, we'll have to circle back to a little later in the season because I do know that that has gotten a show. They they greenlit a show for that, which has kind of been why that comic exploded right after the number one. Right. But I, I read number one, and it was actually too bloody, too gory for me. <laughs> and also, I read way too many comics, so I couldn't justify adding one more. Sure. But... Yeah, all the covers look awesome and flipping through it and kind of getting to see what is going on. It's like there is a ton happening in this comic. So we'll have to circle back and maybe do a deeper dive because it is a 12 issue limited series like later in the season. Yeah, I don't want to go full spoilers here because we haven't, you know, jumped in it. And this isn't really a a spoiler cast or anything like that. But I, I will say at first you know, the first issue reading through it, it was kind of cool and like had good art and stuff like that, but it wasn't really hooking me until it got to the very end. And they finally gave you that little bit of a reveal on, you know, how long he's been around yeah, and how he was born and stuff like that. The, just the history buff in me and like alternate timeline kind of stuff that I, you know, anything like that, I'm always really into. So that's really for me, what sucked, sucked me in and said, okay, yeah, I want to, follow this along through the you know at least the whole initial 12 issue arc right and it's paid off so far i I think that that it's gotten better and better and you know in a similar way i guess to like another one that you and i have been reading was high republic you know high republic started off good but kind of slow like okay star wars story and then as we've gotten further and further i thought that it's gotten a little bit better too or more interesting yeah, they did enough right there at the end of that first arc of High Republic to say, all right, I'll give it a second arc. I'll give it a second arc. Right. They keep debuting new characters and kind of different styles of Jedi. And that has been the hook for me is, is giving you that Star Wars flavor, 
same thing that you've been experiencing with Bounty Hunters, that Star Wars flavor, that taste of it, that universe, but something totally fresh Yeah, as, as a longtime fan. Exactly, exactly. So I think, though, the one that we should really call out here and before we move, you know, maybe to the, the conclusion of our chapter here was planet-sized X-Men. Yeah. And as we said before, we were going to circle back. We will get way more into the X-Men. But, you know, as a little bit of a of a teaser, maybe a touch of some spoilers here, you know, really I thought planet-sized X-Men blew my freaking mind. You know, not the absolute craziest thing I've ever seen, but pretty up there, especially with how impactful the events of it could end up being with, you know, Forge and Magneto and Storm and all them. I'm just going to say it, you know, terraforming Mars. Yes, you heard that correctly. The X-Men have terraformed Mars and taken it over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. With the inclusion of the Iraqi mutants yes. that spawned out of X of Swords, because I think they had a massive play into how that came to be because of their mutant abilities. But yeah, the, the mutants of Krakoa have certainly changed the game in the Marvel Universe comic-wise with what they've done. Yeah. And it's not that we haven't seen X-Men stories that have gone, you know, intergalactic you know or out into space of course the phoenix is from space and you know there's a number of things that they've done out there yeah star jammers there's a ton yeah right right but i thought that it was a really cool moment in the x-men history from the standpoint that you know now like they essentially have a, a base like a true world for themselves if they want it and it's like now this interplanetary conflict Instead of just this, you know, geopolitical country versus country conflict that we've been seeing since the dawn of X. So it, it just everything that's been going on, it, it just kicked it up another notch. It made it bigger. It made it planet sized, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Legitimately. Legitimately. And I think that played into the end of what happened with Planet Size X-Men, where there was a couple other countries that decided to break their peace treaties with Krakoa right because of what happened because of how this came out and then on the including first, England including you want to say yeah that was the big one yeah England dropped out of the peace treaty with Krakoa after seeing the events of this and that all also played into the beginning of X-Men number one because not only did the X-Men and the mutants of Krakoa terraform Mars but they established a new team of X-Men uh, which was a big part of the Hellfire Gala that played into the beginning of, of that number one, where there was a guy who basically said, I'm irrelevant now. I've worked my whole life to be this super scientist to develop all of these things. And in one blink of an eye, the mutants of Krakoa have erased my entire life's work. And he, he goes on a bit of a rage mm. and I, I'm not going to talk spoilers as who that villain is and what they go on to do, because like I said, we're going to do a deeper dive, but there are a lot of things that are going to spawn out of planet size X-Men. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about how since house and powers, you know, a couple years ago now and the initial launch of Dawn of X, you know, there's been these ebbs and flows to the X books, you know, Besides the fact that there's just a bunch of them and it's, you know, a little bit tough to follow every single thing that's going on, you know, 
there's been some, you know, peaks and valleys to the excitement level and really what's happening. And X of Swords was good to kind of bring that excitement back up. Really cool stuff that happened there. But then right afterwards, it kind of sunk back down a little bit. And when I read Planet Sized X-Men, I thought to myself, like, okay, yeah, this is almost like a long haul type deal. Like this, it's not forever that I'm committing to, you know, sticking on these books for the time being. But like, I I need to follow this through and really see what fleshes out from these events because it just seemed like such a a big change. Oh yeah, for sure. They well, they introduced millions of new mutants into the world, and now they've given them a place to live and things to do, right. stuff like that. So I think because that was part of the reason they did it. Like I said, we're getting too deep into it into the <laughs> reasons that they terraformed Mars. Yeah, it definitely was a hook. Everything that Marvel said it was going to be, like in the 70s or the 60s and 70s when they came out with giant size X-Men, it changed the game and that this was also going to change the game. And I think it legitimately did. Yeah. And not to mention, though, that cover that you got for me was just super, super on point, you know, with like the full 90s team and full 90s design and costumes. Like, oh, yeah, between how much I love that cover and how awesome, you know, the issue itself turned out to be. Like, I just can't wait till I have a place on my wall that I could actually like make that a framed comic because I think it's going to stand out for me as. You know, maybe it's not going to end up being the the greatest issue of all time, but for me, I think it's going to be one of those moments that I might never forget. You know, like holy crap! <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I ended up getting the Jean Grey variant of that, and I I definitely enjoyed that one as well. That was a good one, yeah. Yeah, Giant Size X Men came out in seventy five, so almost fifty years later. Wow, I didn't realize it was that old. Changed the game again with with Planet Size X Men. Highly recommend. Getting on the plan- on the X-Men train, at least reading Planet Sized and then the new X-Men series. The rest of the X-Books are a little all over the place, but highly recommend those now, especially that X-Men has, the X-Men series specifically, has found its focus. Yeah, I think that'll help a lot. Mutants as a whole and the other mutant adjacent books are still a little all over the place. There's just a lot going on, too. I mean, you think about a nation. We talked about that some originally was with being a nation and the responsibilities and the requirements that come with maintaining a society that is collectively together, the good and the bad. Yeah, it it does. It just requires more than one book or two books with, you know, just this little team of Xavier's people. And and so it's just the whole landscape is different there and really, really pumped to see what this is going to bring with the next event that's coming and and everything like that, how it's going to impact the books we have been following. You got to touch on X-Men one. I haven't read that quite yet, but just looking at the issues that I've read so far on Excalibur and stuff like that for what I was following, I don't think I've seen anything post planet sized X-Men yet. So I'm just over here like, man, you know (laughs) what is about to happen. We certainly will see because Inferno is going to be a big one and Trial of Magneto is also going to be a big one. Yes, for sure. So tons to cover there. It's been a hot geek summer indeed for Chris and I between the launch of the GK shop, setting up for season three with more guests and extra content, as well as all the gaming and comics we've been able to catch up on. 
We'd love to hear from you about what you've been geeking out on this summer, along with what you'd like to see out of Geek Catch-Up Season 3. So hit us up on social and keep an eye out for more content. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, go ahead and smash the subscribe button so you never miss a chapter of Geek Catch-Up and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Also, be sure to follow GK on social media. You can find links to all of our accounts on the show notes below and on our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. There's even links to our merch store and Patreon if you'd like to support the show. But as always, remember to stay saucy, you nerds. <laughs>